Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. I want to welcome you to our Week 8 postgame show. The Bears just fell 17-16 to to the Los Angeles and the Chargers in a game that they should have won in more ways than one, honestly. And we'll talk about all of this throughout this postgame show. But I'm your host, Will DeWitt. I'm a little bit devastated here after watching Eddie Pinheiro miss that game winner to give the Bears the fourth win of the season. So we're still stuck at three. And of course, I'm joined, like I always am, with my co-host, Nicholas Moriano, who had an mute before we went live as uh, some not safe for podcast language, well, at least our podcast language kind of came out. But Nick, I think you can summarize this word in one game, right? I mean, this yeah. game in one word. See, I can't <laughs> yeah. even think. Yeah, I think we're all just discombobulated here. That that could be a word to describe this game, but just, just disappointing. When you look at it, the, the Chargers were giving every opportunity for the Bears to win every single drop pass in the end zone, all the penalties that they had. Mitch, I mean, you know, there's just so many things that went wrong towards the end there for the Bears, and they, they were almost given a W, and they gave it right back to the Chargers. Now, two and three, like, this is not a good place to be. No, it's not. And Nick, I w- I'm going to highly encourage you to check your microphone settings. I'm sure if you're coming through your real ones here, you know, technological stuff, not a big deal. Uh, but I'll jump in real quick uh, to my monster moment of the game. And obviously, I was hoping for the monster moment of the game to be Eddie Pinero in uh, that final field goal at the end of the game. But for me, I'm going to give it to the Bears defense for uh, a couple of situations. But uh, primarily, the, my monster moment of the game is going to be the Bears defense's stand. After the Bears had a punt with about two minutes left in the game, the Bears defense made their stand. They gave the Bears offense an opportunity to win this game. And even though the offense did move the ball down the field and they got in scoring position, unfortunately, it was not enough as the Bears were still unable to win this game. So for me... Uh, there were some good points of this game, but when you're sitting here now with the fourth loss of the season in seven games, it's hard to really find a monster moment that you're proud of. Uh, so for me, the Bears defense, at least giving the Bears offense a chance, is going to be me, my monster moment. But Nick, over to you for your Moriano minute. I'm curious to see where this will go. Yeah, so I think in this game, most Bears fans knew that didn't we, the team didn't have a quarterback in Mitch Trubisky. That holds true after what happened in this fourth quarter and just giving the ball away. But now, add in, the Bears are still, the kicker position's no longer solidified. Everything up to this point, Eddie Pinheiro has been doing great. But you have two opportunities in this game 
one with the doink and a game winner. This is what he was brought in to do to win games if if needed. And again, he had those opportunities he missed. So you don't have a quarterback moving forward because Mitch has proven time and time again that he just can't do it. It's too big of a moment for him. He doesn't read defense as well, has stupid just mistakes. Then you see him at times just try to salvage a game, right? That big, huge run on uh, just avoiding the sack gets the Bears in position. There's too much inconsistency now in year three for him. And now add in Eddie Pinheiro to this mix because that miss, that may have just cost the Bears a season. There's too much to gain in the NFC North with how the rest of the teams are playing. And now you're a game behind where you should have won at home. The Bears have serious issues moving forward. And it's at kicker and at the quarterback position. Yeah, two very important positions that have seemed to burn us here in the last, uh, you know, eight games or so. But yeah, I can't really disagree with anything you're saying there, Nick. And we'll talk plenty about Trubisky when we get into the second quarter of our show. So for me, I'm going to jump into the stat of the game and I'm going to have to go with the Bears red zone struggles, especially in the first half. They were inside the 10 yard line uh, four different times, unable to find the end zone. I think it took them to their fifth time in the red zone to even get a touchdown and which is obviously ridiculous. And I want to have a good discussion on this because there are times where I thought it was on Matt Nagy and there are times where I thought it was on Mitch Trubisky. And I want to kind of work that out with you, Nick. But for me, the Bears, one of five in the red zone today, leaving too many points on the board. And when you lose by one, any point or any of those red zone trips that could have ended in six that didn't, There's the difference in the game right there. So for me, looking at the Bears' struggles in the red zone, more particularly inside the 10-yard line today, is going to be my stat of the game. But Nick, over for you uh, for the uh, midway mulligan, which of course in a game like today, uh, I'm sure you have a uh, you know quite the pickings of well yeah to choose from. Uh, so it's going to be your midway mulligan. So I think this is the second time the Bears get into the red zone there, where um, yeah they're in the red zone, but David Montgomery doesn't get a single touch whatsoever uh, in this opportunity where the Bears. Really, they got up to this point because of David Montgomery and his relentless fighting to get yardage when there were holes and when there weren't holes. So just the questionable play calling in there is, I think, one of the very first plays, the Cordell Patterson jet sweep. You're going more horizontal than you are, you know, north and south, and that's not what you want. And for that goes on Matt Nagy. There's been a a bunch of questionable play calls, but you also brought a good point up, Will, that Mitch Trubisky just isn't hitting these guys when the Allen Robinson runs the slant. But the the you know the mulligan is just that whole entire drive when you're in that red zone. Montgomery not getting a single touch. That's unacceptable because he was the one that got you to that point. And it just doesn't make any sense if you're Matt Nagy how you don't give the ball to your playmaker in that exact opportunity. Yeah, that's a good point to take away. Again, you could have taken away three or four different areas, and I would have never disagreed with you there. But jumping into our MVB tonight. I'm going to go with two guys, uh, J.P. Holtz and then Cornelius Lucas, for coming in and being those extra blockers, which really allowed the Bears to establish a run today. So two very underrated guys, two guys you're not going to hear about uh, you know, anyone talk about, but for the Bears to A, line up someone as a fullback, B, bring in an extra blocker consistently as a sixth offensive lineman, something they haven't done yet this season, obviously led to what David Montgomery was able to do on the ground, which, Nick, I'm assuming is going to be your MVP. Yeah, I think I, I want to say that's who I had in the preview show. I don't even remember now just with this loss and what I'm 
you know, thinking about for this Bears season. But yeah, it has to be David Montgomery because there were some holes this game. There definitely was. So credit to that offensive line for, you know, fixing up some of the issues there. Even Allen Robinson got an inside run that allowed David Montgomery to get that 55 yarder, I believe. But it was really just David Montgomery just carrying the load for this Bears offense, just gaining those tough yards. There was that one play where Joey Bosa hasn't wrapped up. He ducks underneath him, lowers his shoulder again, is still fighting for yards. That's a David Montgomery that I predicted would come to this Bears offense and bring those skills with him. But still, it wasn't enough because the Bears and and their offensive issues still end up losing this game, even though they were given every single opportunity. But David Montgomery, I would have to say, is the MVP of this one. Yeah, 27 carries, 135 yards, 5 yards per carry, the touchdown, and of course that big 55-yard run. A big reason why uh, David Montgomery is a very excellent choice for an MVB. Uh, but moving in, we do need to enter the second quarter of our postgame show and talk about that Bears offense that still has its fair share of issues. Uh, but first, we do need to call a quick timeout as I tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? It's like, so what? Their site's annoying and it doesn't have the events you want? Like, hello, status quo. With millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there is a better way. In an industry that tends to be stagnant, SeatGeek decided to stand out from the crowd. So why is SeatGeek better than the rest? Well, if you take a quick look at the App Store, you can see over 50,000 five-star reviews. How's that for customer satisfaction? And on top of that, SeatGeek breaks down the details the green dots are the good deals, and the red dots are simply the tickets that are just overpriced. And, of course, every purchase on SeatGeek is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. And as you know, us here at the Chicago Audible, we use the SeatGeek apps on our phone, our devices. And it's been the, by far the easiest way that we can shop for tickets. Uh, earlier today, before the game, I was looking around for the Bears Philadelphia tickets in Philadelphia, just seeing what's going on. I mean, it's, I can drive there. My birthday's next weekend. Uh, but also, I don't want a death wish going into Philadelphia. You know how those fans can be. But I was looking there, and definitely you can find the easy tickets there using SeatGeek. And the best part of all, SeatGeek will give you $10 off your first purchase, and all you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today. Use promo code BEARS for $10 off your first purchase. And again, that promo code is BEARS, B-E-A-R-S. Use that, and you'll get $10 off your first purchase on SeatGeek. All righty. I'm your host, Will DeWitt. You're listening to Chicago Audible. I'm joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. We're still kind of getting over some of that shock and awe, not even the awe, but kind of the awe, as the Bears ended up losing this game on a missed field goal opportunity by Eddie Pinero. But it's time to move over and let's talk about that Bears offense. And we have to just begin and just rip off the Band-Aid and talk about the Bears in the red zone. Again, they had, what? 12 points on four red zone trips. No, sorry, nine points on their first four, and then they got the touchdown on the fifth. And then again, keep in mind, Nick, Chargers defense, we talked about this on Thursday. In the red zone, they came in ranked 28th in the NFL. They only allowed teams to score touchdowns on over 66% of their trips inside the 20, and the Bears couldn't do diddly squat once they reached that area of the field. And obviously, we talked about it once they got inside the 10. That's where matters got even worse. Uh, at one point, they had 11 plays inside the 10 without a touchdown. It took them a few more before they actually broke the seal there. But still, the Bears' struggles in the red zone inside the 10, and to me, is a big reason why they ended up losing this game. So when you're looking at it, are you going to blame coaching? 
play calling, decision-making on that end, because you're looking early on to questionable personnel. You have uh, Cordero Patterson, Trey Burton, Adam Shaheen, not really going for your playmakers, not really leaning on David Montgomery or going towards an Allen Robinson. But yet again, there are throws and plays where Mitch is missing. So which one would you lay on the blame more? And it could depend based off of the actual possession. I think it is based off the actual, you know, possession in the red zone because there are certain instances where each one of those uh, issues that you brought up, Will, came out and was the reason why the Bears weren't able to punch it into the end zone. You target Adam Shaheen one-on-one when he's running on a corner out. Adam Shaheen hasn't done anything all season. You know who has? Allen Robinson. We didn't see that enough, especially in the red zone. Or even Anthony Miller. Every time Anthony Miller made a play, he came out the very next play. I don't know if that always was consistent in the red zone, but it just seemed like when Matt Nagy got there, it was just a whole different ball game. Like that offense hadn't been there very much, which is very true. So it's like he just doesn't know what to call there and what personnel to have in that part of the game and just doing a little bit too much. Like I alluded to earlier, Dave Montgomery's not even on the field or doesn't even get a touch during the second possession that they're in the red zone. It doesn't make any sense. They've been running the ball great up to that point. But yet you're not going to give it to, you know, David Montgomery. There was a third and nine. They were third and goal from the nine yard line inside handoff to Tariq Cohen. Right. What the hell are you trying to accomplish with that? You're settling. You're literally settling for a field goal. There's no other explanation as to why somebody who's calling plays calls that exact play from the nine yard line on third and goal. You're not going to get it in. It just makes no sense. But it's, I think it's a bit of everything, Will, because I, it's, I don't think you can just put it all on Trubisky. He did underthrow Allen Robinson on that slant. Who knows? The Bears would have probably been on the one. God forbid. Who knows if they actually get it in from there anyway. So we, it's a culmination of all the things that you brought up. And just each at each opportunity, at each time, one of those things is one of the reasons why the Bears weren't able to get into the end zone. Because unacceptable would be the word to describe how the Bears played in the red zone this game. Yeah, I'm watching Twitter here because I really want to hear what Matt Nagy has to say about it. Because, again, to me, uh, that is by far and large the reason why you lose this game. You can look at Mitch's turnovers in that fourth quarter, and I want to talk about those as well. But those don't even loom as large as those missed opportunities in the red zone because those are you know, points that you're just leaving up on the table and you're not finding a way to put on the scoreboard. And there's so many of those today. If you convert on just one more of those red zone trips for a touchdown, it's an entirely different ball game, especially early on. You had three trips before San Diego even had a score. You could have been up 21 nothing. That would have been an entirely different ball game to play. But instead, the Bears kept finding ways to keep L.A. around all game long, and it all stems with those red zone issues. But let's talk about – let's take a break, and we're going to get back into the nitty-gritty here and get back on some of these negatives. Let's talk about a couple positives first. Uh, before we go back to the running game, let's talk about the Bears' ability to find some – Big plays today, some chunk plays. They had a play for 55 yards, a David Montgomery run. You have a catch for 35, another one for a 31, a 24-yarder. And this is before, this is before I even, I couldn't keep up with my notes with a two-minute drive. At that point, you're just watching the game. And then, of course, later on in the game, too, you get Allen Robinson for another big one. So, obviously, the Bears found a way to open up the offense. You're seeing Mitch hit some of these throws today. What was the difference? Because, obviously, I almost said San Diego, but L.A., they've been very good in their secondary, but the Bears found a way to, you know, find some holes and exploit them. And I think to me, a lot of it comes to the Bears' ability to establish a run and utilize play action. And secondly, uh, Trubisky having some... Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. 
Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Protection in the pocket and time to step up. What about you, Nick? Yeah, I would say like those were definitely factors as to why the Bears were actually able to get explosive plays, which they have struggled with all season. But I think it, it goes all back to wanting to and establishing the run with that I formation, which the Bears, you know, did consistently and it worked for them. And I'm glad the Bears they came out of that uh out of halftime, they stuck to that. It was a eight to two ratio run to pass and they were able to get that first touchdown of the game and that I think sets you up for bigger plays or whether it's earlier in the game or later on because you're just consistently sticking with the run and I thought that was smart of Matt Nagy finally he actually uh I guess is able to do it wants to do it but yeah it was nice to see that it's just those you know big plays didn't really equate to points you have 16 points to show for the most big plays they've had all season Clearly not enough, and it all goes back to their red zone you know, struggles. Yeah, and I think when I'm looking back and I'm reflecting, and now that I have some time to sit, you know, you can kind of remember all the ins and outs. And I think the two areas in the first half that kind of stick with me most and kind of grind my gears would be one, the missed field goal, right? Those were easy points. That was a pretty short field goal. Um, And then only settling for a field goal in the next drive when you started at the four-yard line after Kyle Fuller's interception. You start at the four, and you only can get three points out of that. Uh, you go with that uh, quick pass to Patterson, and then you go for Burton, and then we already talked about the one to Shaheen, which Shaheen could have made a better play on that ball as well. But like you said, Nick, why would we expect that out of an Adam Shaheen anyway in the first place? But those, when I'm looking back, you know, that's you missed three. Okay, there's a, there's a difference in the ball game right there. And, of course, you left four points on the board with that only settling for a field goal right there on that drive. So, yeah, that's where it kind of kind of all comes down to. And this is one of those post-game shows where usually you have the notes, you want to talk about all these things, but this one's so simple when it comes to the offense. They were able to move the ball today, something they haven't been able to do a lot. A lot of it stems from sticking to the grounding, uh, the ground game. And even though it wasn't working early on, they were able to make it work as the game wore on, uh, especially that first drive of the second half when they had like, what, nine runs and they were able to hold the ball for eight minutes on that single drive. But still, I mean, outside that single drive, uh, the Bears' inability in the red zone, really what it comes down to. Anything on the offense specifically you want to touch on? I know we talked a little bit about the running game and why it opened up. Uh, we talked about Mitch, and uh, we talked about how he was able to get some of these big plays, but there's still some mistakes. Uh, you have the fumble, you have the interception, both of which in the fourth quarter. So I'll take it over to you, Nick. I'm sure you want to talk about Mitch as much as I still want to. Yeah, I think we should because as soon as I was giving him slack in the beginning, I'm noticing in this chat, are you serious, Nick? You're you're commenting on Mitch Trubisky's play. He played well. Like, what the hell are you watching? Like, seriously. This guy is making the same damn mistakes that he's been making since his rookie season where he's being held back. And there's no – you have to take it for what it is for with Mitch. He's going to miss every – he's going to miss those plays where they're guaranteed touchdowns. Taylor Gabriel – has Thomas Davis in coverage. Absolutely blows by him. That is a routine throw for any quarterback at any level to complete. He misses it. He stares down his receiver, Trey Burden. There's a DB in front, intercepted. He doesn't even get hit with the football and somehow loses it. That's a fumble. Two, The first two possessions in the fourth quarter are turnovers. People need to stop defending a guy that keeps 
doing this to himself. He's being Matt Nagy is putting him at times in positions to make plays, and he fails to do that. Then he has his last drive. What he runs out of the pocket, avoids a sack. Great. He's done that at times, but you still lose. You know why they they lost is because he put him in that position anyway. So people want to give him credit for making routine throws. Those he's supposed to make. Look, the one to Allen Robinson, the hell of a catch, hell of a throw. But it's too inconsistent for a guy that you moved up to go get at number two overall. So people need to stop babying this guy who clearly isn't it. I've, I've officially, this is it, Will. This is it? Gone up. This is it. Mitch is not the guy, and I'm saying that right now. And this is not just, you know, me just being worked up in my emotions from a loss that they should have won. This is just me seeing that Mitch clearly doesn't have it. So that's it. People can keep on staying with this lost cause, but I'm not because it's just not going to go anywhere. Matt Nagy has shown that it's probably why the red zone play calls are what they are, right? You're being very hesitant, making him actually survey the field. A lot of the stuff is like a screen out with four guys. You don't want him reading. Don't want him surveying to actually make a decision because he hasn't proven that he can. So that's the thing. The Bears are a lost cause with this quarterback. And I'm sorry that if that offends anybody, but it is. He, he makes He's just way too inconsistent at this point. You can't keep giving him the benefit of the doubt. He needs more time. He needs more time. Come on. How much more time is this guy actually going to get? What, when Khalil Mack is gone, when all these defensive players are gone, when there's no hope for the Bears to win? The Bears are a team that can win now with that defense. But Mitch Trubisky is holding him back. That's all I'm going to say. That's not an overreaction. That's me assessing the situation, seeing where the Bears are actually at. People can give me sh- – oh, they can give me uh, – <laughs> They can give me crap for it, but that's it. I stopped myself. This is you PG. did. PG. I was I was like, great. I have to mark our first ever episode as explicit. This would be the good episode to do it. Just have the Chicago Audible go off and you know say things that we usually say before we go live or after we go live. But Nick, that was a good rant right there, and I can tell you, like, you're a little out of breath. And I don't think I'm anticipating uh, tomorrow in my inbox a little column you apologizing for that rant, right? Absolutely not. No. And on top of that, you talked about all the mistakes today for Mitch. And again, he had some good throws, but there were some things that he missed. The two turnovers in the fourth quarter, to me, is alarming. Because those are situations where you're either protecting a lead or having to go down and reclaim it. And it, they again, interception, inexcusable one. He had two dropped interceptions today on top of that that we haven't even mentioned yet. And this was a winnable game through and through, and they were in positions. And you talked about in the red zone how they made it easy. You talked about the screens and the, but then you have the one route with Allen Robinson where they have like eight guys in coverage, and it's just Allen Robinson is the only option in that. So you don't make Mitch like he said. Think he has he looks at Robinson and he knows he can either throw it or throw it away or run it, and he threw it and we got a penalty out of it. But still, it was a very similar one read play, which at this age of his career. We're all expecting a little bit more out of Mitch today. Uh, so, Nick, before the Bears lost and before those turnovers in the fourth quarter, where were you on Mitch? I'm just going to try to take a few steps back because I want to hear the progression because obviously when you lose, I think the whole perception switches a little bit. But I am curious, before the fourth quarter, so you go through three quarters, the Bears are up, they had that nice drive, I uh, saw some good things out of Mitch. Besides the red zone struggles, where are you at then? So I'm trying to go back in my notes just to see what I kind of have here. But I think up until that point, 
I was okay with his play. There's still, you know, questionable throws. He could have been picked off easily a couple uh, earlier times, but there was a big, I think, third down play that he had to Taylor Gabriel right before either it was the fumble or the interception. I can't remember which one it was. And I'm like, that's a big play for Mitch. That's a big play for his confidence. Let's see what he can do next. And up until that point, I was okay with how he played, missed throws here and there, but at least uh, up until that point, he didn't have a turnover. And then you get the two back-to-back drives where it's just, what what is this guy doing? He's trying to give the game away. And I think the it was the interception. Did that one list, uh, go to the missed field goal by the Chargers? I, I want to say it did. One of those turnovers resulted in a missed field goal. Yes, after it was, it was two- no harm, no foul, yes. Yeah, so he got lucky. Trubisky got lucky that the Chargers couldn't capitalize because of drop touchdowns in the end zone by their receivers, right? So up until that point, I was okay. I wasn't feeling great about Mitch. But then then obviously he does what he does, and you just can't – like I said, you can't keep babying the guy. He's going to suck you in. It's like a it's like a relationship where you, you send a text saying, hey, I'm sorry, okay, let's try this again. And it's a back-and-forth stupid game that goes really nowhere. It's going nowhere, and that's why – that's where I'm at. We can, we're going to hear Matt Nagy this week, you guys. I guarantee you. He had a great week in practice. He was making all the throws. He, I, We still believe in Mitch. Come out Sunday, the Eagles. You won't see it come to fruition because that's just who he is. It, that's that's where I'm at. That's But that was where I was at prior to everything going downhill. And I'm just keeping it real with everybody. That's all it is. If you want to believe in Mitch, be uh, by all means, do it. But I've seen enough. I've seen a lot of quarterback, bad quarterback play in Chicago. And I just see someone who's hesitant who's making the same mistakes, and even though he is young and he can maybe do something, salvage it somewhere else, it's just not coming. It's not happening. Matt Nagy, it's just not happening here. So that's all I got. So I could buy the jersey now, and it's okay. If you buy the jersey, go right. Maybe he, maybe some <laughs> reverse thing happens where he gets no. better, but it's just, yeah, it's, there's no point. There really is no point anymore. All right, well, let's get off of Mitch, and I want to start looking at Matt Nagy and his decision-making today. And we talked about it in the red zone early on. There were some questionable decision-making from the personnel usage and play calling in general. But, Nick, the big one that we've kind of, I think, forgot about just because of the missed kick, but we had 43 seconds left, and they just had to kneel the ball and not go for extra yards in a game which two field goals were already missed. I think that's a terrible mistake by Matt Nagy. He already said here that uh, the reporters will be wasting their time talking about that right now. But to me, you have plenty of time to get another 10, 15 yards. You have a timeout in your back pocket. You have the sideline to work with. You have guys like Allen Robinson who has that great field awareness. Guys you can throw it to. Do you blame Matt Nagy or do you believe he was doing what he thought needed to put his team to win? Because... The, obviously, if you try to go for extra yards, the caveat is the ball goes in Mitch's hands. That's a thing. That's a thing, Will. The ball is in Mitch's hands. And, yeah, he led you down the field to get into that position in the first place, right? He did. But it only takes one more extra opportunity for Mitch to reverse all of that and just have one bad play. So, again, I don't know what's going on in Matt Nagy's head, what he's kind of thinking, assessing, and, you know, what is the best – way for his team to win, but you did have time. You really did, and I don't know if you want to have Mitch throw that pass, even if it's an easy completion to Allen Robinson or whatever it may be. Yeah, I think really the, his quarterback is limiting what he wants to do. I think he is, because I think Matt Nagy 
for the most part, I think he, he can be a smart guy. We see stupid decisions throughout the game with play calling personnel, but I think he does know how offensive football works. He wrote, you know, he definitely ran the football a lot more than seven times this week, right? And it, it worked for this offense, but if you had a quarterback that hits an easy completion to Taylor Gabriel, that's a touchdown. This game's over, but you just can't, just can't have it. You can also make the argument though. You could run that ball, David Montgomery. He was giving some positive yards for the vast majority of this game. Mm -hmm. And again, five yards can make all the difference on that kick. And Nick, did you have, uh, when Pinero was lining up for it, did you have a flashback to when we were in Miami a year ago in those orange uniforms and what happened? Cause I did. Actually, didn't go to my. I just went to for some reason. I went to the Eagles game. That's because there was a doink earlier in the game, and I'm like, God forbid, if I see another doink and we lose that way, I don't know if I'll be able to handle this. But yeah, I just felt uneasy, like the same exact feelings I've ever felt with a Bears kicker possibly winning a game or anything was all going through, and then you just see that ball go left, and I thought it was gonna doink. I'm like, oh my goodness, this would just. That doink is terrorizing us and forever will for as long as time goes on because it has not gone away now with the new kicker. But yeah, just uneasiness was definitely the feeling I was, you know, going through during that kick. Yeah, and I was in a game where this is the one game I think I have two all year that I don't get in my in the local market down here uh, south of Indianapolis. So I was doing a little bit of watching it on the computer. So you're always a little bit behind when you're watching it on the computer. So everyone's spoiling it to me all day on Twitter and. I already knew what happened, and I was just like, oh, my God, like, really? And then I had to watch it, like, eight seconds later, and then it was still just as bad. Like, no way, he'll make it if I watch it, and he didn't do it. Uh, but for me, if I'm Matt Nagy, I, I would have gone for extra yards. I need to know what you would have done. And, again, hindsight's twenty twenty. We know he missed it. And if he would have made it, we would have never maybe questioned his decision. But what, have you, what would you have done in, the, in that situation? Because I would have gone for more yards. What was the distance on that field goal again when he they kicked it at? 41 see yeah you have the time if you have the time out you try and I, you do it with montgomery you don't do it with mitch to you do it with montgomery and try to get those yards but yeah i 41 i would have liked to just maybe just two more get inside uh inside that 40 mark and you feel a little bit more comfortable there but yeah wasn't the case that's not what he did but that's what i would have done if I was Matt Nagy, I had the visor on, but that's about it. <laughs> I was going to say, you ha you're halfway there with your look. You're making some better, you know, more sense than he has lately, Nick. There may be a job opening. You know, no. You, you can walk in. Maybe you can just fool everybody and you can just say you're the new coach. Yeah, with hair. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's look. I do want to talk about some more positives real quick. And again, we can. We can pick and poke at all the negatives all day long, but let's talk about Anthony Miller. He led the team in receiving yards with 67 today, three big catches today, the long of 35, and he caught all three of the balls that went his way. Was this a little bit of a coming out party for him, you hope? I mean, obviously he wasn't heavily targeted, only the three balls that went his way, but for for him, every time he came up with a play today, it was a big one in a big situation. Uh, the one that particularly stands out that fourth down, that fourth and one they got nine yards off of. Uh, but what do you? What's your take on Anthony Miller? Uh, obviously, second week without that brace on his shoulder, and it looks like you know he was running. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to five hundred dollars on select adjustable mattress sets. 
and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Decent routes, finding a way open, and someone that people have been also getting a little sour on. It's good to see a good day out of him. Yeah, it definitely is. I know he was mic'd up for the game, so we'll probably hear some some audio afterwards. But yeah, I think it was good because there was a lot of these cro- these on the other side. He's on the right side of the field, coming over to the left, and Mitch is finding him. There was one anticipatory throw, which I thought was great by Mitch. But it seemed like, I, and I said this earlier, he made those plays right, and it he came off the field immediately afterwards. It's like this guy just made a play. Keep him out there. If you look at the two deeper passes over the middle and not the fourth down catch, I, I'm guaranteed, it's guaranteed that he comes off the field. What What's the reasoning for that? Why is Matt Nagy or whoever's in charge of like how the play calling goes is taking him off after making a big play? That's a guy, Anthony Miller, he plays a lot with his emotions. After making a big catch, you know he's talking on the field. But keep a guy like that out on the field, especially after he makes a big catch because that's just how he, he kind of runs, right? So – that was strange. It is good that he did, you know, have his biggest game of the season. And hopefully he can stack these up, see if the quarterback can give him the ball. But that's about it. I mean, it, there's no guarantee that that's going to stay consistent because of who's under center and just how this offense has been all season. Just bad to inconsistent. Uh, before we get to the offensive line, there are a few things we need to talk about in regards to them. But going real back to David Montgomery, what he's what he displayed today, does he give you confidence that he can be that long-term answer at the position, Nick? Absolutely. Everything that you wanted to see from David Montgomery. And you don't – so for me, I don't think you see the as much fight for these two three-yard gains – out of any running back right now in the league than you do for David Montgomery because he's been fighting and crawling for every single yard he's ever gotten up to this point in his career uh, with the Bears and finally got some you know big lanes to run through and you saw what he can do but he's just a back that will he's always, he's going to try and get positive yards no matter what unless there's three guys coming through the line of scrimmage and he can't make a miss that's the only time we're going to see Montgomery tackle for loss I know there's one Thomas Davis run where completely shoots the gap nobody's there to block him he does get Montgomery but for the most part he's going to give you everything he got and he knew coming into this game that he had to you know redeem himself for that fumble that he had against the Saints he knew it was unacceptable for him and you saw the game that he has in the bounce back so I'm confident that he's definitely the back moving forward you can you could build a guy you could build an offense around a guy like that just because he is that I think that good and he just showed that on, on an offensive line that has been inconsistent, but when he got the holes, made the most of it and gained yards whenever he could. Yeah, I mean, that big 55-yarder was a great block by Cody Whitehair, pulled across the formation, got that key lead block, and then he just burst right through the hole. And obviously, if he had just a little bit more speed, uh, you finish that play. But when he was looking up at the scoreboard, it kind of sees behind him. Reminded me when Devin Hester did that about a decade plus ago. So I was like, hey, that's a Devin moment. But yeah, David Montgomery, like you said, Nick, he's so much fun to watch. He earns each and every yard. And there are plays where he should have been tackled in the backfield. He still gains four or five yards. And those, when you look back at the stats, those don't really stand out. But when you watch him play, uh, you know what kind of fighter he is. And I love it. I love watching him. And I can't wait to see how he continues to evolve. But he got his first 100-yard game today as a Chicago Bears. First one in the NFL. So I do want to congratulate him on that. Uh, Nick, I want to let you know, uh, breaking ish news uh, via Barstool Chicago, we got some Trubisky jerseys burning. Would you burn a jersey? Would you ever do that? 
Oh no, that's I think that's stupid. Just burning jerseys. Like, what? What are you trying? I mean, yeah, you're sending a message that you're done with this player. I'm done with you know Trubisky, but I'm not gonna burn a jersey. That's just I think it's childish to do. But yeah, go right ahead, burn your hundred and fifty dollars that you spent on that jersey. Makes complete sense. But no, <laughs> and some of the hey, some of the comments in here in this chat too. Uh, not something that I like to see about people and, you know, specifically Trubisky. Uh, this is just a football game, people. Just remember that because this is not bigger than some of the things I'm seeing in there. Yikes. Yeah, I'm happy I'm not peeking over there today. It made a conscious effort to just turn that off on my screen. But uh, let's see, looking at tight ends, they were a no-show today. One big-ish catch from a Trey Burton that helped with the drive. Uh but even then, you would still anticipate a little bit more out of Trey. Well, maybe not at this point. Nothing for Shaheen. Uh, J.P. Holtz, to me, maybe the most important tight end today, and he was playing fullback uh, with that eye formation the Bears were on, you know, rolling through uh, in this game. But looking at the offensive line today, obviously uh, Joey Bosa, uh, who we already kind of marked as that huge concern, which is the obvious one. Uh, he got that third down sack on the very first drive, how he beat Bobby Massey. Uh, but then also later on in the game, he kind of helps force a fumble, but not in any real way. Because like you said, no one even touched Mitch. He just got a little bit of pressure in his lap, and he tried to move. And from trying to move the ball from one hand to the other, he just kind of dropped it. But obviously, Bozes still find a way to make his impact. And then you have a Rashad Coward with two false starts. I think, did he get called for holding as well? I, who, uh, was it? I can't even remember. There was a, I know Rashad Goward had, what, three penalties on him the entire day, but I can't remember who exactly else I it remember, was. I think we got two false starts, and I think he was also with a hold today. So I think yeah. Rashad Coward was the, you know, the culprit there, which obviously for a guy who's making his second NFL start, I mean, those are things that you kind of anticipate a little bit. Um, but anything you want to mention about the offensive line today? They look better overall that we've seen uh, compared to some other games. And obviously a lot of that stems from the Bears uh, sticking to the ground game because they get to be, you know, the people who are doing the hitting and not having to, you know, always stand back and, you know, work out a pass protection. Yeah, so just in terms of the offensive line, I really, really liked what I saw on that first drive of the third quarter. Those those offensive linemen were going downhill, moving people, helping David Montgomery, you know, get into the end zone with that, I think it was 10-play drive that ended in the touchdown for the bears that's what you want to see that eye formation just getting physical something that the bears weren't doing earlier this season and that's that is a positive that you can build upon you can build from this kind of way that they blocked and i know matt Nagy is a little reluctant right to r- run the ball and doesn't like maybe the eye formation because it's it's old school but that old school really helped out today for the bears it's fine and salvage something from this offense in today's loss against the Chargers. You can build upon that. You can implement that more. And that's what I really like, just seeing the offensive linemen come out of their blocks, just burying some guys into the ground, get their combo blocks, set up blocks for David Montgomery because it worked. It worked today, and that's something that you can build upon. I I definitely enjoyed that. Uh, The Bears today, they were pretty balanced. They had 38 runs to 35 passes. And before the game, I did tweet that I envisioned it being very similar to what we saw in Denver. Uh, And that was uh, 28 runs to like 26 passes. So moving that forward, I think it was pretty spot on there. Uh, The one area of concern for me, and it remains it on top of the red zone, this is Bears offense on third down. They were 5 of 14 today. Uh, L.A. had a pretty weak third down defense that kind of came in here. Uh, anything particularly on third down that you want to harp on? Again, we've been going at it for a while here on the offense, but 
to me, it all comes down to still finding ways to be in third and long, and that's a combination of play calling, execution, penalties at crucial moments, uh, just a combination of all three of those to me, depending on the possession. But still, 5 of 14 on third down from this offense against the Chargers defense uh, wasn't really what I was hoping for. You know what, I think uh, for, and I don't have the stats in front of me, there were a lot of third and long situations for this Bears offense. Mm-hmm. And you're setting yourself up to failure. And I think the Bears actually did convert on some of them. But you need to be better on first and second down. That'll make it a lot easier. And, you know, just it can change up what the play call actually is on that third down situation. So I think that was a, a reason why the Bears weren't as successful as they would have liked to have been, as we would have liked to see them be on third down, just having – not the best yardage on first and second down. Really didn't set them up for success on third down. Do you remember where the Chargers defense was ranked on third down? What, probably 30th? 31st. You see, it, it's like the, things like that in the red zone, too. They're yeah. awful in there. Like you said earlier in the podcast, you need to take advantage of that. You have the you have the, the playmakers out there. You just got to put the right ones on the field, call the right plays, and hopefully your your quarterback can make plays, but... Don't get greedy. <laughs> I know. That's a lot to ask for this Bears offense, the way they've played playing. All right. Well, obviously, it's been a long first half of this postgame show, a long first half of the season, too, honestly, when you kind of put it all here. It's been a long few weeks to be a Chicago Bears fan. Uh, Nick, any anything else on the offense? Any final thoughts? We've hit on a lot. I'm sure you would, if you said anything, it would be staying it for the second, if not third time when we're coming all the way full circle to Mitch, but giving you the spot, if you have anything else on this Bears offense you did want to hit on. No, I, I think we, we covered most of it. Uh, there's nothing that you know needs to be said that hasn't been said yet, and I think we just got to go, go to the other side of the ball here, Will, because that's really where there's only hope right now, I guess, for this Bears season. Yeah, uh, I'll just have one final thought. It's when I look at this offense and I look at all the names and what I, you know, they have a lot of talent. And the fact that they're still back end of the NFL, like literally the rear end of the NFL when it comes to offensive production, points scored, that's alarming. And that's a mixture of coaching, execution, and quarterback play. And that's alarming because, again, we thought, okay, early on in the year, they'll work out of it. It's a funk. They'll be fine. They didn't play in the preseason. We're halfway through this thing. I don't think they're going to get much better than we're seeing now. I think this is the kind of offense that you're going to see here uh, in 2019. And I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know what changes need to be made, but something is amiss because they have so much talent. You have an Allen Robinson, a Taylor Gabriel, an Anthony Miller. I know Trey Burton's injuries kind of brought him down, but there's so much talent. David Montgomery, Tariq Cohen, and they're just not getting results. Still not getting results. doesn't matter if you're going up against a defense that yeah. is – prone to going ahead and of course giving up some big plays and the Bears found their big plays but they couldn't get points so the Bears can't find a way to do it all they can't find a way to do the complete thing they can do parts of it they can either find a way to get points or find a way to move the ball but they can't do the whole thing Nick they just can't put all the pieces together on any given Sunday all right well let's go ahead and before we head over to the third quarter show and talk about the chicago bears defense uh nick i think you are a brave soul and you want to continue to keep that audio mailbag open i do want to continue to do that well i had a lot of fun doing it for the first time with charlie bevins one of my classmates at DePaul. so we're still doing the audio mailbag you guys so another bears loss i can only imagine what these questions are going to be like but 
If you want to have your question read on and answered on the next audio audio mailbag podcast, all you got to do is call 872-240-4007. And that number again is 872-240-4007. Leave your name and where you're from. Ask your question. The best ones will be read on the next audio mailbag podcast. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's still a good time. I already know what these questions are probably going to be like, but it was a good time doing it with, for the first time with Charlie. And we'll see. We'll see what you guys ask. But make sure to just uh, leave a question, and we'll see if it gets on the show. All right. Definitely give it a call. It's always a good time for Nick, of course. He loves answering your questions. Charlie, his classmate from DePaul, uh, is excited to kind of continue to do that with him as well. And, of course, gives you an opportunity to have your voice, your opinion heard on our show. All right, let's go ahead, Nick. Let's enter the third quarter of our postgame show, and let's break down that Bears defense today that, for the most part, found themselves you know, doing what we anticipate them doing. They held the Chargers, again, only 17 points, and really it's just two drives that they kind of you know blundered, but outside of those two drives that led to points with some big plays, they held their own, especially early on in this game. So when we're looking at the defense, what's a big-picture takeaway to kind of just kick things off? Obviously, I think in this you could say it's about any defense. When they get pressure, a lot of good things happen yeah. to this Bears defense. And you saw that in, for the interception for Phillip Rivers. Roy Robertson-Harris, I don't know if they run a stunt or how that pressure actually gets created, but once Roy Robertson-Harris gets up the middle, Phillip Rivers makes a bad decision. We wanted to see more of that today. It wasn't until, what, the final drive of the game that the Chargers had the ball where the Bears get their first sack, I believe, and that's Cleo yep. Mack. Finally, win that one-on-one matchup. You just the Bears need to be able to create that more consistently, and I think that comes from the other players around them. I still would like to see more from Mac, but I think overall you can be well. Again, there was a bunch of drops in the end zone, Will, so it makes this score look a little, uh, I guess, less impactful than what it could have been for the Chargers. There were two drops in the end zone by two receivers, Keenan Allen and then Williams. So. Again, maybe those DBs need to be in better position to make those plays to not have it to come down to a drop ball as to why they're not getting points. But I would say I was okay with how the defense played, especially because Roquan Smith had a hell of a game. Bounce back game for Roquan Smith. That's huge for him. And we had some question marks about him in the preview show, but he definitely answered those questions with his play today. Yeah. And when you're looking at this defense, I love what they're doing early on. You talked about it. It took them a long time to get a sack. But on those first, uh, what, four to five drives, let's call them the first five drives, the Bears did a great job. They got some initial pressure, you know, through the, with the interior. They kind of sped up that offense. They weren't, you know, taking down Rivers, but they made them throw it a little bit quicker than you would like to. And on top of that, the coverage was real solid. When you're looking at the first five drives, uh, they didn't have one that went for either four plays or only 19 yards. I think four to the five or three and outs, and one of them only went from 19 yards, and then they had to punt up anyway. But How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. 
Then, of course, things changed a little bit uh, near the end of the first half. Uh, you have Mike Williams, a big play for 43. And then, bam, very next play, 19-yard run from Melvin Gordon, uh, which was able to put up you know 17 of those points there for the Chargers. But when you're looking at the Bears' defense, you know, overall – this is the kind of game I expect uh, to see out of them. I mean, I you know I had the Chargers scoring 17. You had the Chargers only scoring 16. So they're right on par about what we're expecting out of them. And obviously, a lot of it came early on for uh, you know the interception uh, from Fuller and you know the Bears doing what we know they can do on this defense. And but after a while, the offense didn't do them any favors. Gave the Chargers some short fields. And then, of course, the Bears had one other drive that they kind of allowed some of the bigger plays. Do you know the difference, Nick, between the drives in which things are working for the Bears and not? And to me, I do think it's pressure because the times in which they allowed those big plays, there were some longer developing routes over the middle of the field, allowing the receivers to kind of hit those soft spots in the Bears' zone. So when I'm looking at this, and I'm trying to reflect real quick on the fly, I think that's the difference. But what about you? Do you kind of back that up? Yeah, I think pressure has a big part of it. Uh, just when this defense is successful, and if Mac's able to win one-on-one one-on-one matchups, or anybody outside of Mac is able to do something to create havoc for an opposing quarterback, that's how this Bears defense really operates, and is why they're successful. When they're not, it's guys not creating that pressure. It's guys like Eddie. I don't know what you saw, Will, and I. I as soon as I saw it, uh, it was the deep completion to it was uh, Williams where it's Kyle Fuller who's in front, but Eddie Jackson is running over to potentially make a play. I don't know what he's doing on there. It's just a deep reception, but Eddie Jackson doesn't go up to contest the ball. He just runs past Williams, and had Kyle Fuller not have touched him, you know, Williams probably could have gotten up and scored. It's just weird to see Eddie Jackson just not making impact plays like he used to last season, and I know this is harping on what they're not doing well. Well, that's one of the things individual players not being able to contribute like they did in 2018. And did you notice, Will, this is the second week in a row now, coming out to the third quarter, that first possession for the defense, they're giving up points. Last yeah. week against the Saints, it was a touchdown. This week, after the Bears score their touchdown with that, you know, where they primarily ran the ball, they give up on a 14-play drive for a field goal. So there's no uh, – people have made the argument, yes, the defense may be gassed. How are you gassed coming out of halftime? That shouldn't be an excuse. You should be able to play consistently how you've been in the first half because you had that break. So the Bears defense needs to get better at that uh, specific kind of instance in the game. Starting the third quarter, they both down, they're down points already or they're giving up points to start off. Not, not what you want, especially with how this Bears offense has played where you're just putting more pressure on them and they obviously can't handle it. So you need to be better coming out of halftime on defense for the Bears. Yeah, I mean, that's two weeks in a row. You said it, and obviously conditioning wasn't a factor. I think it was like 40 to 45 real-time minutes in between when the Bears' defense was on the field, and then they allowed the Chargers to march all the way down there uh, after the Bears were able to get their touchdown. And, yeah, it wasn't pretty whatsoever. I'm trying to go back and find this here. Okay, so the Bears got their touchdown, and then immediately afterwards you're looking a 14-play, 73-yard drive. And then, of course, and this goes back to the Bears' inability to play any sort of – you know, complimentary football, and then the Bears go ahead and get an interception immediately after that. And then, of course, the Bears defense is like, okay, fine, we'll step it up, we'll hold over. And then, of course, they force the missed field goal, and then Trubisky answers that with a fumble, and then the Chargers get their touchdown. So 
a little bit of you know the offense not helping out the defense when it matters, even though the defense did step it up uh, after that initial drive there in the third quarter. And it's crazy when you look at this game and only two possessions were the entire third quarter because each team had about an eight-minute drive, which is crazy because I'm like, wait, what happened to the third quarter? And like, oh, it got eaten up by, by that. But yeah, uh, you can't blame conditioning. And you have to wonder, Nick, and I'm curious about your thoughts here, is Chuck Pagano getting slightly outcoached after halftime and offenses are adjusting to him and he's not able to counter or he's not anticipating what they're going to do because this is, you know, two weeks in a row. And obviously to me that comes to coaching because the team's rested, they're ready to go. But those are some long drives end up at points that really is uncharacteristic of the defense. Yeah, so uh, that's a good question, though. I don't know if it's Pagano getting outcoached. They gave up 10 points in the second half. Their offense obviously turning over the ball in their own territory is not going to help them to keep opposing teams out of the end zone. But I would have to go back and I think and just kind of watch to see how the second half is playing out for, you know, in each game. So it could be a little bit of both, though, definitely, because that, that first possession in the second half, up to that point, the Bears are playing great defense. And then that, you know, maybe adjustment, the, the proper adjustments are made by the Chargers. They're able to get some points on the board. So, it, that, it could be both ways, but I definitely have to go back and see what's really being the cause of it. It could be, you know, a combination of things. Yeah, well, that's usually how it goes, right? It's usually not just one thing, unless it's the Bears offense. I'm kidding. There's more than one thing <laughs> wrong with the Bears offense. But uh, let's look at a couple of uh, positions here and just talk about some of the guys. And let's start with the Bears defensive line, because when I'm looking at that unit, uh, two players to me stood out today. Eddie Goldman, uh, he was consistently jumping off the snap, getting really good pressure, some really good push, not just in a run game, but also getting after uh, Phillip Rivers. And then there was a good play against a run. It was a third and goal when he was able to kind of take that center, push him right into the hole, and Danny Trevathan was able to go right around it and make it that clean tackle. And then Nick Williams, uh, he had a couple plays. He was real active. Uh, I know his pressure is what led to Phillips throwing that, in, uh, that interception. Uh, so for me, when I'm looking at this, I think Roy Repson Harris is in that one as well, right? For uh, the interception. Yeah, he's the one I think who comes right up the middle and gets that pressure in Rivers' face. Yep. I know there's one from Nick Williams. It could have been an incomplete. Oh, it's the one when uh, Nick Williams came in, and that's when like Rivers like dumped it, that, that little flip, and then Mac about had that one. It was almost a turnover. That was a good play from Nick Williams. And even when I saw some veteran stuff out of Nick Williams today, and he's a savvy guy. He hasn't been able to stick to a team until this year, but he's been around. And when he's not able to get pressure or get to the quarterback, he's jumping up. And there were a few times when the ball barely got over his hand, so he almost got a few passes batted down, but you can tell I'm looking for some positives in the Bears defensive line after Akeem Hicks where there haven't been too many. Uh, but moving over to linebacker, Nick, I want to go over to you. Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith both today I thought had really good games. Trevathan, most fans will probably remember the one that he missed, the tackle on Austin Eckler, which led to the touchdown. But Trevathan himself was very active, and so was Roquan Smith. What was your take from both Bears inside linebackers? Yeah, these guys are active, moving sideline to sideline, coming downhill, reading reading the gaps where they're supposed to fill, and you know doing primarily a pretty good job of stopping these Chargers running backs from you know reducing the yak and just redu- just anything like that. I thought they were playing fast and, and physical. That's the one play though where Danny Trevathan is a little late on Eckler and he just kind of overruns it, and Eckler just plants that right foot into the ground, is able to get in the end zone. But for the most part. I think Bears fans should be happy with how with the play of those inside linebackers because they did a really good job. And we talked about Roquan 
that's a bounce back game for him because he he needed to show that just to show that there is confidence in in himself. He's he was getting a little pumped up after plays, just like hitting himself in the helmet, just wrapping himself up. I don't know if you saw Philip Rivers kind of throw a shoulder. I did. Into, that was man, Philip Rivers. Uh, he's a very feisty guy. I I I kind of like that in quarterbacks, but you don't you don't do that. That's like a that's a cheap. That should have been a penalty uh, to me, but. Yeah, I, I like the way that these two inside linebackers played. They played fast. They played physical. That's Those are two guys that we envisioned coming into the season, and they definitely weren't a part of the reason why the Bears lost this game. They're more of the the reason why they were in the game. Just yeah. the one one play for Eckler, and maybe who knows if there's a, a blown assignment. I don't know, but for the most part, they played really well. Yeah, and Eckler, he's a very slippery back who's really good after contact, and those are just things he does. I think the only other play that Danny uh, from Danny Trevathan, Roquan's in there as well, though, was that touchdown run by Melvin Gordon when uh, Trevathan over-pursued, allowed that hold open wide up here towards the end of that second half. But yeah, like you said, Nick, both inside guys, they played really well today. Roquan uh, specifically, it's really good to see it. Uh, looked like he was having a little bit more fun. He had some energy because he's looked flat and lost, like we said on Thursday. So to see him, I'm not going to say return to form, but look like a more like himself than we've seen in about a month is a good sign for Roquan Smith, someone that you know I was getting a little concerned about, like wondering what's wrong in terms of not just him as a football player, but maybe as you know as a person, if there's anything that was going on with him personally that we haven't gotten any light on, but that he's been dealing with. So good to see him kind of stepping back towards the right direction, becoming a Roquan that we know. Uh, but other than that, looking at the Bears' secondary, anything you want to mention today? I know, again, they had uh, a pretty decent day. They did allow Mike Williams to get us a couple of big plays, but outside of that, they held Keenan Allen, who, again, was battling an injury in check. They didn't really let Hunter Henry dictate this game as much as he has over the last couple of weeks. What's your take on the Bears' secondary? I think that obviously the stats are in favor of the Bears, but like I said, uh, Eddie Jackson's out of position, and he does make a really good play on Williams to dislodge that football in the end zone. But if Williams, who was dropping you know balls the entire game, catches that, guess what? There, There's a touchdown. Keenan Allen uh, gets behind the defense in Prince of Mukamura, and he mistimes his jump. That's a touchdown that's easily dropped. Keenan Allen doesn't drop that ball probably nine, nine out of ten times, but he just did that one time, right? So, yeah, we see the numbers. And we, it obviously looks on the outside like the Bears did some good things. And I think they did for the most part. But had those been touchdowns, we're having a complete, completely different discussion. And like I talked about that one play with Eddie Jackson, just not doing anything on on the deep ball to Williams. And there was also Hunter Henry dropped a big third down catch where Ha Ha Clint Dixon coverage. He's he, you know, Hunter Henry just drops the ball. So there's a lot of drops that make the Bears' DBs look like they played a little bit better than I thought they did. So, hey, look, it's on the offense to make those plays, but I think when the Bears go back and watch the film, they could definitely clean up some things. Yeah, of course, absolutely. Uh, looking at the Bears on third down on defense, did hold the Chargers only 2 of 10, which is a really good mark. The Chargers actually coming into the game, if I'm not mistaken, were really good on offense on third down, I'm trying to scrim through my – Preview show, offense, third quarter, eh, eighth worst, never mind. So I was wrong. I knew they were in the top ten, but I didn't know if it was in the worst top ten or a like top of the league top ten. So I knew it was a ten number. But, okay, so that's a good thing. So the Bears, did what they should have done. So that's 
that's a good thing at that as well. But yeah, uh, honestly, the Bears defense, they did their job today. They, you know, they forced plenty of three and outs early in this game. And when you're looking at, you know, the points given up today, again, the touchdown, the only touchdown that, you know, well, the, the only touchdown gave up in the second half, they, they started the ball to 26 yard line. And I, what are you going to do? I mean, if it happened twice in a row, first time missed field goal, great. And then they come right back out into the field, have to do it all over again, another short field. I mean, do we? Do I believe they could have stopped it? Sure. But, like, at the same time, you have two opportunities. I mean, it's just going to happen. It's the NFL. Offenses are dangerous. Unless you're the Bears, then you're not dangerous when you're getting close to the 20 or inside the 20. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to happen. So I, have, I put minimal blame on the defense, but it all goes to the offense and it all goes to Mitch for those uh, miscues, those turnovers there in the fourth quarter. But anything else about the Bears' defense as a whole? Obviously, uh, when you lose, you always wish they gave up less points, but to hold the Chargers to only 17, yet again, another opponent under 20, Bears should have found a way to win it. Yeah, I agree. The defense did their part for for Chicago to come away with a victory, but didn't happen again. And then you look at some specific kind of drives to see could they have done better. So, yeah, it's uh, – you want to see, I think, Will, what we need to see consistently from here on out. I know they're missing Akeem Hicks. I'm very aware of this, everybody, but we need to see more pressure. It didn't really happen mm-hmm. that much today against the Chargers, and you see what this team, this defense, can look like when it has pressure, more prone to getting those turnovers, just getting off the field. But when they don't, things obviously break down. Philip Rivers is able to convert some of these third-down plays, stay on the field longer, need to find ways to consistently Find pressure that just hasn't happened the past, you know, couple of games as it was throughout the first four games of the season, where this Bears defense looked like they were going to go on another, be renowned as another top ten, top five defense, and they still can be. Don't get me wrong, but pressure still needs to be consistent moving forward for the remainder of this season. Yep, exactly. All right, I want to move over to the fourth and final quarter of our show. Let's talk about that Bears special teams today and. Well, I don't know, Nick. I mean, two missed field goals. That's six points right there. Eddie Pinero, do you still have confidence he's a long-term answer at the position and it was a bad day, a bad game, or does a outing like this uh, put too much of a sour taste in your mouth? Don't forget, he's only missed one kick leading up to this game this season. Uh, but still, when he missed two in a game and one of them is a game winner or a potential game winner, it kind of sticks in your craw a little bit. Yeah, uh, I think that's that's what it is for me right now. And Pinero was healthy, wasn't on you know the injury report saying that he was questionable or anything. Didn't you know limp? He was kicking off and things, so he was good to go. He was good to go. And you have to make those kicks at Soldier Field. The wind, I saw the wind. It was playing a little bit of a factor. You can definitely tell how the the flags on the field goal post were moving. You got to make those kicks. You were he was brought in to make these kicks, and yes, he was doing great up to this point. And was making them already had a game winner from Denver. That's great, but it's consistency. That's the biggest thing in the NFL with anybody sticking on a roster or why they become great consistently when your number is called upon. Can you perform? Can you produce? He missed the first one. Okay, you have redemption. He makes all the the smaller, the shorter field goals, but the one that counts, the one that everyone's going to look back to. Did you make that one? No. And that's why the Bears lost. It's not all on it's not all on any Pinero, though. Of course not. Everything led up to that. But ultimately the kick doesn't go in. The Bears are now two and three. Seventeen to sixteen loss to at home 
to the Los Angeles Chargers. So, yeah, I think there is questions. There definitely are. You have to yeah, see how this guy is mentally. But, yeah. And you can blame wind for, you know, I get it. I mean, it's Soldier Field, but Soldier Field's always going to be like some swirling sort of wind. And he didn't blame the wind in uh, the locker room after the game. He said he noticed it and he thought he corrected for it. But if he's not blaming the wind, then I can't blame the wind for him. I mean, that's just how it's going to go here, uh, Pinero. So we'll be, again, I think it could just be a bad game, a blip in it. And then hopefully, I don't think it's going to deter his confidence any, which is a good thing. I don't think he's going to take this and, you know, just go real south and miss a bunch of kicks for us the season but today this hurt and it was a reason one of the reasons plenty of reasons why we lost this game and for me you can look at eddie you can look at the red zone struggles uh, to me i would probably put it more in the offense than eddie today but when you have an opportunity to win the game to hit the kick to do it and you miss it uh, i mean that sucks i mean to put it bluntly as possible at least for us as fans and i'm sure as a team as well i mean that one hurts uh, looking at the return game today, Cordero Patterson, Tariq Cohen uh, combined over 150 uh, return yards today. Uh, Patterson taking the ball out each and every opportunity he can. He doesn't care if he's seven, eight yards deep in the end zone. You're still fine with that, right, Nick? You know, I think so with how the offense has been. If you can get a score on special teams or get some points that way, yeah, by all means. I mean, sometimes when I'm seeing him take that ball seven yards into the end zone you're like this is probably not going to end up in the best position but i think cordell patterson he's just one of the best return men in the game and he's been doing it consistently throughout his career you give him the benefit of the doubt give you a spark to get your offense in better field position yeah i'm i'm still okay with it Anything else on special teams you want to hit on to me i still can't believe the bears only scored 16 points and only had to punt the ball three times yeah, I mean, that. yeah, that's all. Awful. That's all? <laughs> like, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. All right, let's go ahead, Nick. Let's just jump into a two-minute warning. We've been going on for about an hour, and I'm sure you know both of us want to move this game, put it behind us. So what's going to be your two-minute warning? Wrap up your thoughts in this game, and, you know, we got to start putting things in a season perspective, and it's not looking good. We're starting to hit a very tough point of our schedule coming up. Yeah, the Bears are sitting at three and four. I don't even know if I was saying that earlier. I think I said like two and three. Maybe I was off, but three and four. The NFC North is competitive, and the Packers are playing well. Everyone's playing well in that division, really, other than the Bears. And you lost a, I think, a not it wasn't a must win. No, there's obviously games left on the season, but this is a, a bad Chargers opponent that you let go into Soldier Field and beat you. And that's not going to sit well with this team that was already had players meeting a player meeting earlier in the week and how the offense was not able to perform in the red zone doesn't help the the questions that are around this team they don't get answered there's just more questions and more noise for this team to have to deal with and I know Matt Nagy has talked about a great culture a great locker room but losses can really affect a team and that's now three in a row will they the Bears are not in a good spot I'm Obviously, I'm not confident in their quarterback, and now there's questions about their kicker. So there's more questions now than there were answers just a week ago. Yes, they found a way to get Montgomery the ball, which is great. They need to keep doing that, but I don't see this team really going anywhere. Now they have you have the, you have Philadelphia at Philadelphia. You got a tough Detroit team, Los Angeles Rams. It, it doesn't get any easier. Well, this this schedule or this this season has gone a completely different way than what you and I anticipated, what most Bears fans have anticipated. 
And I don't know if they can really salvage it. It's, you got to make the playoffs, right? I don't know if that. I don't know if this is a playoff team right now. You have to. I thought you had to get at least ten wins to get there. I don't know if you could do that. I don't know if you can get to ten, especially where they're at right now offensively. Defense can do their thing, but they'll have lapses throughout a throughout a game. They might just do it if they give up one touchdown. That could be it. So this is they're not in a good spot. They don't have a quarterback. Matt Nagy's still calling questionable plays, and let's see where we'll see what this team, what kind of fight they have, because they didn't go through a lot of adversity in year one with Matt Nagy in 2018, winning 12 games and being out of the playoffs because of a double doink. Well, we had a doink today. We still had that same quarterback who can't make right reads, hit those throws, and now they're three and four, looking up at everyone else in the division. Not a good spot to be if you're the Chicago Bears, and that's where I'm going to leave it. So. We'll see what happens for the rest of the season, but I'm not confident in it. So you're telling me you're not confident that they can win seven out of their last eight? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm going to agree with you. Again, three and four. Nick, you said it. Uh, you don't know if they're going to be able to make the playoffs. They're not playing like a playoff team. I mean, there's no other way to say it besides that. The offense is not a playoff offense. Uh, the Bears defense, last year's Bears defense, the 2006 Bears defense, I'd almost want to say the 1985 Bears defense wouldn't be enough for this team to find a way to make the playoffs with how bad this offense has been. And it's not just the offense being bad, but it has been. We can look at you know every loss and point to it to some degree or another, and I'm sure you can do this for any team. But they're just not playing complementary football. They're not finding ways for all three phases to assist one another. You have a, you know, the offense starts this game with a bang, drives down the field, 70 yards, missed field goal. The offense gets inside the 20, gets inside the 20, can't find a way to put points on the board. Defense does their job. Offense goes out there, fourth quarter has a lead. All they have to do is protect it and maybe extend it to a two-score lead. Two straight turnovers to give the Bears defense two short fields. Defense does their job. They hold it. It doesn't work. Offense goes down the field, another missed field goal. So it's every department, uh, coaching has let us down, players personally, unit-wise, they've let us down. It's They're just not a cohesive unit. They're not a cohesive team. They are three different units that show up to play at different times, and they're not finding ways to help one another out. And to me, that's what it comes down to right now because this team's talented, but they're just not playing together. And I, don't, and I can tell they want to win. But at the same time, like you can see it in their demeanor, but in their play, it's like they want to lose every game because they make every game harder than it needs to be. This game should have never been this close. They should have been up by a minimum, I'll say 17-0 after the first three trips. Minimum 17-0 after the first three trips inside of the 20, and instead it was like a 9-6 to game or a 9-0 game. And then, what was it, 6-0, and then they were up down 7-6. to It's okay. This game's a blur. I'm still mad they missed the field goal. But, yeah, Nick, there's no way this team makes the playoffs. Since they do end up making the playoffs, then we're going to have a fun next couple of months ahead of us to break that down every step of the way. And then once they reach the playoffs, they're going to be hot, and it's going to be interesting to see who can stop them. I don't see that happening. I don't think you see it happening. I'm sure most Bears fans don't see it happening as well. And really, like after you know, I hit the end broadcast button, it's going to be some reflection here of, like, what the hell is going on? Because this is not supposed to be the season. We've been saying that now for a few weeks, and it's just not. And it's really it's confusing. I don't understand it. I don't think it, they understand it, because if they did, they would have fixed it, and they haven't. So the Bears aren't who we thought they were. 
and we're going to have to, you know, ride it out for the rest of the season, Nick. And it sucks because we've done it in the past where we had low expectations and we can do it. We can talk about losses and we can be critical, but now with expectations supposed to be higher and now you're losing these post game shows get tough and, you know, then having to turn around quickly to start some of these previews and get back into it. Oh man. Now after what, after three straight losses, Oh man, I going around, turning around for Tuesday and I'm, we have to preview the Eagles. Yikes. You know, Jiminy Christmas. Like I do not like it as of right now, like I'm ready to just uh, take a vacation, but we can't, they can't. And hopefully they have a little bit more, you know, gumption than I do right now to, you know, write the ship. I don't see it happening. I really don't. And I try to be the positive one of the show. And this is where I'm at. I've seen, I, I haven't seen it this bad in a long time uh, in terms of on offense. It's really, really bad. Anything else, Nick? Should we just end on really, really bad? That's what that's what this season is right now, Will. Really, really bad. There are bits and pieces that are good, but not where we all expect them to be with those expectations. So, yeah, I think this is a good good spot to just end it. Yeah, it's just I'm so frustrated because it's been a really tough month. You go from losing in London a bye week and then you lose a couple more. Like those four weeks, like they've been weighing on me, and I'm sure they've been weighing on you as well because this is like – Nothing positive. Nothing has been going remotely the way over the last month. And we'll see what happens over the next month and, you know, next quarter of the season. We'll see if they can turn it around and we can start to get our hope. I don't know if I'm going to get my hopes up, but maybe I can at least have a little bit more of a smile on my face as we do these shows. But we'll figure it out. And I'm going to call it an episode, and that's going to do it for this postgame show. I hope that uh, you enjoyed the show more than you did this game. And I do want to thank everyone who did tune in, uh, whether it be YouTube, uh, Facebook, Periscope, and again, all the thousands of listeners of the podcast around the globe. We really do appreciate each and every one of you. And as much as I hate to say it, uh, we will be back in just a few days to begin our preparations for next week's match. It's a rematch of the wildcard game as the Bears are heading to Philadelphia. But until next time, keep your head up. And of course, bear down, Chicago. Your heart health is the foundation of your body's performance. So if you want to stay at your peak, your heart has to do the same. Cocovia delivers the level of cocoflavanols clinically proven to increase circulation, promoting healthy blood pressure and a strong heart. Boost your cardiovascular health and stay peak with Cocovia at cocovia.com. That's C-O-C-O-A-V-I-A.com. And now during Heart Health Month, save 20% with coupon code CVHEART20. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease.